morning. It's part of the thing. Good morning. In less than an hour, aircrafts from here will join others from around the world, and you will be launching the largest aerial battle in the history of mankind. Mankind. That word should have new meaning for us all today. We can't be consumed by our petty differences anymore. We will be united in our common interests. Perhaps it's fate that today is the 4th of July. And you will once again be fighting for our freedom. Not from tyranny or oppression or persecution, but from annihilation. We're fighting for our right to live, to exist. And should we win today, the 4th of July will no longer be known as an American president holiday. But it is the day when the world declared in one voice, we will not go quietly into the night. We will not vanish without a fight. We're going to live on. We're going to survive. Today, we celebrate our Independence Day. Great moment in U.S. history. President Whitmore, played by Bill Pullman in Independence Day, starring Will Smith and Jeff Goldblum. Right before they go fight aliens. Super realistic. I like how we celebrate Independence Day. I like that we have a movie called Independence Day where we fight aliens and blow up. I like that during the 4th of July month, you can drive down the road and at any moment see explosions to your left and to your right to where people are just testing their fate and limbs to see if they can blow up as much stuff as possible. I love it. I love the way we celebrate this holiday as a country. I love how we celebrate our freedom. I love, love, love how we throw ourselves at that type of celebration to where we are shooting fireworks off literally for a month, okay? It's not something where it's like, today's the day, blow them up. No, we're doing it for like a month, okay? I love it. I love, some of you have been to fireworks shows with my family and I, some of you haven't, but we have a tradition uh, we go to as many as possible. We go to three, four a year. And afterwards, at each one, my children and I, my wife sits it out, but my children and I, as soon as they have the grand finale, and everybody cheers, me and my kids go stand up and go, USA, 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 even little Sam, everybody. And it never catches on. It's always just the three of us. <laughs> But my kids will turn and look at those communists that are out there watching it and go, USA, USA, and just so excited on how we celebrate this holiday. I love it. I love, I love it. I love that that's how we do it. I love that we celebrate our freedom that way and that much. But I get convicted because I wonder if I've ever in my life celebrated the victory and freedom that I have in Christ with that much effort, that much enthusiasm, that much fervor and dedication, not just one moment or one day, but where I am absolutely setting fire to the rest of the world and everything else that it has to just declare, I'm free! I'm free! There's a moment in freedom 
where the shackles come off and the chains fall and the bondage is over and you are liberated, you're free, and you go, I'm free. People sometimes call that the on fire. I'm on fire right now. I'm free. And then it kind of dwindles. And I want to celebrate every day like it's my independence day, my spiritual freedom, my spiritually free independent of the world and anything else that it has. It has no control over me or shackles on me or anything else. I'm free. Free. Can you say amen? Amen. Are you thankful for freedom this morning? All right. Let's stand for the reading of God's word. We are starting in Romans 6, starting then in verse 15. Everybody say amen. amen. What then are we to sin because we are not under the law but under grace? By no means. He's trying to make it really clear. Absolutely not. That's not what I'm saying. Do you know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey? Either sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed. And having been set free from sin, having become slaves of righteousness, I'm speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations. For just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now present Present your members as slaves to righteousness, leading to sanctification. We're going to stop right there. You may be seated, and everybody on your way down, say amen. Amen. So I want to ask you this. I want to ask you this. The way we celebrate our freedom, the way we celebrate our righteousness, the same way that my kids can stand up and look at a group of people and go, USA, USA. And not be ashamed. Have we ever, have we ever celebrated our freedom in Christ in that same intensity? Intensity. An intentional moment where we are celebrating that we are free and independent of all things. Do we throw ourselves at that righteousness? Do we throw ourselves with, at righteousness with the same intent and enthusiasm and energy that we used to throw ourselves at sin? Because I don't know about you, but I can remember moments in my life to where I threw everything for the opportunity to sin. I put everything at risk. I would put my health at risk, put my family at risk, put my, my friends at risk. I would risk it all for this one moment. Have I ever threw myself at righteousness with the same intensity, the same recklessness, the same just Absolutely, it doesn't matter what anything else or anyone else says. This is what righteousness is, and this is what God wants me to do, and I throw myself at it regardless of what happens. Regardless. Any, any friend that's going to leave, anybody that's going to say anything, anybody that's going to do anything, if I know that I'm throwing myself into the pursuit of righteousness, what does it matter? What does it matter? We did it once so easily, throwing ourselves at sin. Why is it so hard to throw ourselves at righteousness? And and in this, are we to sin because we are not under the law but under grace? No. 
Do you know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey? We've got a really weird idea of what slavery is, right? Anytime that you say the word slavery, see, see how weird it got in here just now? Yeah, it's just like, oh, what? It's just weird, man. But we, we have been told what slavery is through pictures and, and media and movies. But here, I want to break it down. In our freedom, we are to become slaves of righteousness. And what that means is if you are a slave, you are a slave to which you obey. Who and what do you obey? To whatever that is, to whatever end that is, that is which you are a slave Two, do you know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness? I am a slave to righteousness. I am. I can't help it. That's what I have to. I got to go for that. But I am not perfect. And there are times to where that, that obey or that obedience falters. And in those moments where it falters and I forget or choose not to obey my father and I choose to obey something else, then in that moment, ugh, I have a new master. And in that, whatever it is, that's my master. So I ask you this morning, what and who do you obey? Who's your master? Who is it that you are slaved to? Are you a slave to the world, social media, sin, pride, the Father? Here's the difference. Have you ever heard of a story of a slave owner that told his slave, all right, this is what you need to do. You do this, and you do this, and you do this, and you do this, and all of this you don't do. But this is the rules, and this is exactly what it is that you, my slave, are to do. But if you don't, I still love you. See, that's the difference between a slave owner and a father. He's a good, good father. He's a good, good father. There's times where I've given my sons the opportunity, and I've done that same thing. I've been like, hey, sit down. Sit down. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to give them the option. Give them the choice. Max, I need you to clean your room. Or you can go play video games. Hey, come back here. I need you to clean your room. It's like that long. You know what I mean? I gave him the option, but instead I – I'm not as good of a father as he is, so I'm like, hey, go clean it. Get back to it. Let's go. God loves you anyway. Say he loves me anyway. anyway. Whether or you do the things or you don't do the things or you are a slave to him or a slave to obedience or a slave to righteousness or you are a slave to the world, he sent his son to die for you regardless Regardless, he wants you. He yearns for a relationship with you. But if you choose not to have one, his part of the relationship doesn't change. He still loves you. And he won't force you 
into his presence. Our God is a gentleman that way. But thanks be to God that you were, who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed. So, I've heard it a thousand times. We died of sin. We are death to that sin. We died with it. We don't have to have it anymore. No more sin for us. We have been saved, set apart, redeemed. Hallelujah. So why is it that we still mess up? How is it that we still sin? How is it that we still have that issue? Here's the difference. Before salvation, you were a prisoner to sin. Sin had dominion over you, had authority over you. You couldn't help it. It had you. It had, you remember a time in your life where sin had you had you. You were it. It was you. It had you. But then you received Christ, and that sin has no more power over you. Has no more power over you. So when we sin, here's the worst part. So when we sin after that, it's because you chose to. There's no more excuses. You, you chose it. You, you wanted to. And in that, God still says, I love you. Where sin abounds, grace abounds more. Where sin abounds, grace abounds more and more and more and more. The fact that we could be who we were and him give us an opportunity to set us apart at all is grace. But the fact that we get to go into that lives and, and throw ourselves at righteousness with everything that we have, but then mess up and still go is still grace. It's still grace. It's still grace. What are we willing to endure in the pursuit of righteousness? What are we willing to endure? What are we willing to go through? How far can we fall and know that God will pick us back up? I, I, I've been running with my children. I, I've been, my children have been doing conditioning over the past few weeks, right? They're going, my daughter's going into middle school soccer. She needs to be in shape. And I've been making my son run as well. And, and, and I've been running too. They've been running a bunch, like every day. And the very first day, it was full of crying and temper tantrums and just like complaining and the kids were okay but those were the things that I did and it's been rough it's been rough it's been rough but about a week through it after we got done with it all and we done we were done with our running for the day they went you know what I don't feel too bad I don't feel as bad as I did the first time. I think I'm getting better. Your endurance is building. Isn't that good? Isn't that good to feel your endurance build? If you are a new Christian, you've been in this walk, and you've been walking with God for a year, a month, two years, three years, and you just feel like, why am I still messing up? How am I still falling short? How am I still, I must not. Look, I'm up here preaching to y'all. And there are things in my life that I lay down at the altar. And I'm like, this is it. This is the last time I will have to lay this down at the altar. There it is. And I walk off and reach back and grab it. And it, it, it just drives me insane. But, but, but it's okay. 
He loves you anyway. The endurance of God is yours to have. But what are we willing to fight for? What are we willing to endure? I heard a coach this week say, are you willing to sprint and run with everything you have when you don't know where the finish line is? Are you willing to run as fast as you can with absolute 100% effort to the very end, not knowing when you're going to get a break, not knowing when you're going to get water, not knowing when it's going to stop? Are you willing to wait for that healing and not know if it's ever going to come? Are you willing to run and not know if that job is ever going to come? Are you willing to serve and pray and worship, not knowing if that child is ever going to come home? Are you willing to go and run and chase after righteousness and throw yourself at it when you don't know if it'll ever pay off? Are you? To run, to sprint, and not know where the goalpost is. When you get there and get to where, all right, as long as I got to do is get to here. If I get to here, then it'll be okay. And then all of a sudden that goalpost moves and you have to go further and you have to go more. And it takes more prayer and it takes more service and it takes more reading and understanding and worship and keep going and keep going and keep going. Are you willing to endure that? Are you willing? Are you willing to be a slave to righteousness? To obey when the only thing your flesh wants to do is disobey. It's hard to obey when everything that you want to do is disobey. But if you are new in Christ, sin has no power over you. It has no dominion over you. It cannot hold you down. It cannot tell you what to do. It cannot hold you down any more. And if you believe that, if you believe that sin just has you, you can't get away from it, that is the devil talking. That's the devil. Are you willing to run? Are you willing to build that endurance up? Are you willing to keep going, not knowing where the finish line is? There's going to be a time in your life, and there are people who I have seen, and I, I inspire me and want me to be like them, that I've seen the devil knock them down and them get up going saying, you should have killed me because here I come, and I'm bringing the body of Christ with me, and you better look out. I want to get there. I want to get to that point. I'm not there. I'm not, but I want to get there. I want to get there, and I'm willing to run. I'm willing to get out of breath. I'm willing to feel that pain and whatever the social pressure is. I don't care. I'm going after it, being a slave to righteousness and not caring of the circumstances or situations that happen because of it. I have to. I'm a slave to righteousness. Are you? Amen. Amen. So now, for just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness. So now present your members as slaves to righteousness, leading to sanctification. Okay? So lawlessness led to what? More lawlessness. More lawlessness. But your members as a slaves to righteousness leads to what? Sanctification, baby. Sanctification. Salvation happens in an instant. It's that in spiritual endurance and path that leads you on the path of sanctification. It's when you fall and get up. And when you fall and on your way to get up, you fall again, but you get up again and you keep going and you keep going and you keep going because you are a slave to righteousness. You are a slave to that. You cannot help it. It's what you must do. There was a guy I heard say something one time and, and he just kind of like, 
threw the phrase out. Like it wasn't no big deal, but it's something that sunk in me and I've never forget. I've never forgot it. I can't even say it, right? I never forgot it. He said, where there's no fruit, there's no root. There's no fruit. There's no root. There's got to be root. And if you got root, you will produce fruit. So carrying on, going to verse 20, for when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. But what fruit were you getting at that time from the things of which you are now ashamed? I want to read that verse again. Verse 21. Man. But what fruit were you getting at that time? The things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end, eternal life. Somebody say amen. Amen. If you're producing fruit that's rotted and spoiled and poisonous, what are you rooted in? What are you rooted in? The things of, that are producing in your life that are coming out in your, your mouth and your tongue and your, your face and your eyes and, and on your social media and through your hands, the, the things that are getting produced. If, if, that, if you're not happy with the fruit that is coming out of you, then take a look and see what it is that you were rooted in. Are you rooted in Christ? Because if you're rooted in Christ, then that fruit produces sanctification and at its end, eternal life in Christ Jesus. Somebody say amen. Amen. Here's what true freedom is. True freedom. True freedom is to say, I have set you free. Absolutely and totally, you have been redeemed and forgiven of all things. You have no, 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 no reason to have shame or guilt or worry or fear forever or any ever, 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 ever. You're free. In that freedom, you take it. You go and do the opposite of what you should do. And God says, I still love you. You're free to choose that if you want. You are free to make that choice and live that life and go down that path if you want to. If you didn't have that choice, you wouldn't actually be free, would you? but you're free to live the life that you want. God says, I have eternal life and eternal blessings and a cup that will runneth over if you choose it. If you don't, if you want that poisonous, just spoiled fruit for your life, and that's the type of life you want, you can have that too. He allows you to choose whether or not you want the good portion or the world. He allows you to choose how much of of yourself that you will give to him. If you you weren't free, if you weren't truly free, then we wouldn't even be talking about this. We would just be robotically following exactly what it is. But he gave us life, and he gave us choice, and he gave us freedom, and he liberated us with his love liberated us with his love. Maya Angelou, one of my favorite things that she ever said, one of the most poetic things I've ever heard is love liberates. Love liberates. Imagine this. Imagine a son coming to his father broken, 
ashamed, guilty, fear, with so much weight, so much weight and conviction over who he is and the choices that he's made that he can't even figure out how it is that he wants to express to his father how sorry that he really is, how truly ashamed and heavy that he truly is. I just want to be able to express it to you as much as I can. And before he can say anything, the father looks at him and goes, I love you so much. The freedom that happens in that child is unlike anything that I can imagine. Love liberates. It liberates. When a husband or a wife and just, and just shame and regret just comes to their spouse wanting to tell them how sorry they are just bound up by this problem or this thing and their, sp- their spouse looks at them and goes, I love you so much. Love liberates. It frees us. Everything, this laundry list of things that are reasons that we keep to ourselves, that we try to make a case for some reason to God as to why it is we don't deserve salvation. Look at this laundry list of things that I've done. Look at all this ugliness. Look at this darkness and this sin and this just pain and this just stuff that I have chose in my life that is completely opposite of who you are and what you want for me. This is why you should not love me. This is why you should not save me. This is why Jesus should not have died for me. And God looks at you and goes, I love you. Love liberates. You're free because of his love. You're free because of who he is. It's who he is and what he does. He loves you. It's not a free gift that just like we have a stack of them, take one as you leave. No, it is one that was designed in purpose with you, for you, with your name on it. When he died on the cross for you, your face was on his mind, your name was on his mouth. I'm dying for her, and I'm dying for him, and her, and him, and them, and him. He thought of you. It's for you. If you're scrolling, and you just happen to stop, the gift of God is for you. If this is your first time with us today, the gift of God is for you. No matter how many times the devil has tried to convince you that you are not worth saving, that you're not worth loving, that you're not worth it, that you've done too much or you've run too far. That's all a lie. He loves you. Allow his love to liberate you, to free you. Somebody say amen. Amen. And finally, verse 23. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. When you accept that gift, when you accept that gift, you are now independently owned by only Jesus Christ. Independently owned and given independence through all things. You have been freely bought. You have been paid a high price for who you are. He paid a high price, a price that you could not pay so that no one else can say they have any claim on you. No one else and nothing else can say that they ever own or, or, or have any part of you 
at all, ever. You're independently owned by Jesus Christ. And through that ownership, through that where you were brought back, bought back to the kingdom of heaven, you were then given independence and freedom that you can't have without him. You can't. It's who he is. It's what he does. Right now, there's somebody out here or online that's saying, God couldn't save me. And he's just going, ha! You have no idea the guy that's preaching up there. If I, if I can be saved, if God can do something different in my life than what he did, than what I was doing, if God can work in me, if I can allow his love to liberate me, ugh, there is no end. There is nothing that can stand in his way. There is nothing and no one that is safe from his grace. It's coming after you. Because where sin abounds, grace abounds more. Whatever it is you think you've done, He's got more grace than that. Whatever you've got, that you, he's got more grace than that. Whatever ugly, shameful thing you think is just too heavy, too ugly, too awful, there's more grace than that. Yes. It's the free gift of God that was wrapped, tied, and put your name on it. He's a good, good father. is I want to be a slave to that righteousness I want to throw myself in every way that I can that way nothing can ever say no one can ever say no part of the world no part of my life can ever say yeah every once in a while I'm his master no no not now not ever I've got one master. Because I've got one father. And he's a good one. And his love has liberated me from more than I could ever possibly, possibly explain. We've got 24 hours of worship coming up in a couple weeks. That wouldn't be enough time. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. Say he loves me true if you still feel like you're bound up shackled just tied down by sin in your life it's time for that to change no one wants that life for you and you don't want it for you either allow the love of God to liberate you today allow the love of God to free you today